Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the reign of Jehoshaphat as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. This time, let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. We are dealing at the present time in this area of Scripture with the reign of Jehoshaphat, king over Judah. For the most part, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He did develop many spiritual reforms. There was one aspect about his reign that was not good, and that was his desire to develop an affinity and friendship with Ahab, who was the king over the tribes of Israel in the north. Ahab was probably one of the most wicked of all of the kings over Israel. And Jehoshaphat had some kind of a fascination and an endeavor to create an infinity and a friendship with him. Now the Bible says, Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And if anybody represented the world in the worldly system, it would have been Ahab. So why Jehoshaphat, a righteous king, would ever seek to develop some kind of a friendship or relationship with this ungodly king of Ahab is difficult to understand. And the consequences, ultimate consequences of it were quite disastrous. Not to Jehoshaphat himself, but in the result of his uh, son. Uh, And we'll get to that when we get to chapter 21. Uh, So Jehoshaphat had, or Jehoshaphat had gone on up, visited with Ahab, was invited by Ahab to come to watch the battle against the Syrians and Ramoth Gilead, where Ahab was killed in battle. And so Jehoshaphat has now returned to Jerusalem, chapter 19. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, who was a prophet, went out to meet him. And he said to him, Should you help the ungodly, And love them that hate the Lord. Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. So here he has been rebuked by the prophet of God. The rebuke, of course, coming from God for his love for the, or his help for the ungodly and his love for those that hate the Lord. The Bible says, What fellowship hath light with darkness? What communion hath Christ with Belial? And it warns about seeking to develop an unequal yoke with an unbeliever. And so the king is severely rebuked for this 
endeavor on his part, and it would seem that he was initiating it, going on up to visit and all, and initiating this kind of a friendship and an aid program. When Ahab said, would you like to go out with me to battle? He said, my troops are as yours, you know, I'm like you, we're brothers and all. And so it was a, it was a thing where he was helping the ungodly. He was seeking to create an alliance with an ungodly king. Nevertheless, the prophet said, there are good things found in thee in that you have created these spiritual reforms by the destroying of the idols uh, of the false gods that had been uh, set up there in the land. So at the word of the prophet, Jehoshaphat again just sort of sought to reestablish a spiritual work within the kingdom of Judah. He took some priests and he went around to the various cities of Judah. There was sort of a evangelistic campaign. And he would go into a city, they would gather together the people, and the priest would again lay out the law of the Lord to the people. They would establish judges that they might judge righteous judgment within the cities of Judah. And uh, it was actually further spiritual reforms as they traveled through the land seeking to turn the hearts of the people unto the Lord. So they went around and the charge that they put to the people was, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brothers? I mean, this is what they said to the judges when they set up the judges. And I wish that every judge would have to face this kind of a admonition at the beginning of his judgeship or even should have it on the wall of his chamber every day. This is what God requires of a judge, that he judges in the cases in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a complete heart. Now in chapter 20, it records how that at this time, three nations had gathered together to fight against Judah. The nation of Moab and Ammon and those of Mount Seir, which would have been the Edomites. And word came to Jehoshaphat that Judah was being invaded by this confederacy of nations, that they had already come across the Dead Sea and they were in the area of En Gedi. And they were approaching, actually, by the area of En Gedi, which is the valley known also as the Valley of Passengers and became known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Because this is where God wrought the victory for Jehoshaphat, and thus it became known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Or Jehoshaphat. Now, it is interesting because God ultimately destroyed this invading army. And we'll get to that in a moment. But Ezekiel tells us that there is going to be another confederacy of nations that is going to attack Israel in the last days. A confederacy of nations led by Russia Many of the Eastern Europe nations, plus the Balkan nations, plus Iran, 
plus Saudi Arabia, and they also will be destroyed in this valley of passengers. So history will be repeated. And interestingly enough, much of the destruction will be in the same way this destruction took place. Uh, for in the destruction described in Ezekiel, one aspect of it, God said, every man's sword will be against his brother. So God speaks of an internal revolution that is going to take place at the time in which they seek to come against Israel, plus the judgment that God pours out. But when in time people are passing through this valley of the passengers or Jehoshaphat and they see the carcasses, the bones, they'll set a flag by it and so forth. So this same valley in which God once destroyed the enemies of Israel, God is going to work again and destroy invading armies that are coming against Israel in that same area. I find that very fascinating indeed. So Jehoshaphat, when he heard that these three nations were gathered together to invade the land, called the men of Judah together, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And he set himself to seek the Lord. And the people gathered together. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah, there at the house of the Lord in the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, you are the God of heaven or the God of the universe and the ruler over the earth. Now, in a sense, God is the ruler over the earth because whatever happens on the earth happens because God has allowed it to happen. And yet, in a narrower sense, Jesus recognized that Satan was ruling the earth at the present time. Now, Satan only rules because God allows him to rule. So in an overall sense, yes, God rules, but God in his rule has allotted man free moral agency, self-determination, the power, capacity of choice. God has allowed man to choose who he desires to rule over him. And the majority of men have chosen that Satan should rule over their lives. And God has not violated man's choice. He's allowed him to make the choice and then respects the choice that man has made. So in the world today, Satan is ruling. When Jesus came, Satan took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said, all of these will I give to you and the glory of them if you will bow down and worship me, for they are mine and I can give them to whomever I will. Now Satan is boasting to Jesus that, hey, it's all mine. I have the power to give it to whoever I want. And Jesus did not dispute that claim. In fact, why did Jesus come? in order that he might redeem the world because it was under Satan's power. Now, Jesus called Satan the prince 
of this world. He said to his disciples the night he was betrayed, just before going to the garden where he was arrested by the soldiers, he said, I have told you that I go to my father. Now, if you love me, you would rejoice, for my father is greater than I. But now, he said, the prince of this world cometh, but he hath nothing in me. So Satan is referred to by Christ as the prince of the world. Paul calls him the God of this age, referring to the sinners. He said, the God of this age has blinded their eyes that they cannot see the truth. So in a narrow sense, Satan is ruling over the earth at the present time. This is his domain. This is his kingdom. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, Book of Revelation chapter 13 tells us that Satan, the dragon, is going to give to him his authority and his throne. Now Satan said to Jesus, it's mine, I can give it to whoever I will, and he's going to give it to the Antichrist who will rule over the world. Now it is interesting how many of the world leaders have been involved in the occult. And of course, one of the most notable of recent times was Hitler, who actually was controlled by what the men who were called the white masters, those men who were steeped in the art of white magic. Many of them, after Hitler's fall, fled to Peru, where they still exercise quite a bit of power and control over the lives of many people. But Hitler was taking directions and following the advice of these men of the occult. Now Satan one day is going to turn over the full authority and power of this earth that is his to the Antichrist. But of course he knows that his time is short, the scripture said. He knows that his reign is about over. And so he's really doing his best to mess things up uh, before he has to exit the scene. Now, Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, you should say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray that his kingdom will come. We pray that his will be done here in the earth because right now his kingdom has not come. His will is not being done. You do not see the world that God wants or God's in, God intends. He doesn't want a world that is filled with suffering and war and hardships and inflation and pollution and all of this. The Bible tells us that when he comes to establish his kingdom, that righteousness will cover the earth as the waters do cover the sea. And that there won't be the physical maladies that men experience today. And that Satan, during this period of time, will be bound and be cast into the abuso while Jesus reigns upon the earth for a thousand-year period. And so when Jehoshaphat said that you rule over the earth, 
That is only in an overall sense as God rules over the universe, but in the universe there is one planet that is in rebellion against the rule of God, and as the result of that rebellion against God's rule, that planet is hurting, it's suffering. And it's headed, it's on a head-on collision course with great calamity and disasters, and, and they're coming. There's no escaping it. But after this time of great disaster, then Jesus will come and he will reign and God's kingdom will then extend and cover over the whole earth. So Jehoshaphat in his prayer acknowledged the greatness of God. And then he acknowledged that God was the one that brought us into this land. He was the one that delivered this land to our fathers. For he had promised the land unto Abraham and to Abraham's seed. And God drove out the inhabitants that were there. And then he said, they built this, and they were standing, remember, in the temple. And he said, they built this sanctuary for thy name, that when calamity came, they might come to this place and call upon you. And here is where he makes reference to the prayer of Solomon in verse 9, when Solomon dedicated the temple. And they dwelt... In this land, they have built thee this sanctuary for thy name, saying, when they built it, they said, If, when evil comes upon us as the sword, or judgment, or pestilence, or famine, and we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and we cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And so he acknowledges first the greatness of God, the purposes of God in bringing them into the land, and the promise of God that when they were in trouble, when the sword was threatening or judgment, and they come into your house and they pray, then that you would answer. Now he lays out the cause. Lord, here they come, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites. And, and they're too, too many for us to handle. We don't have the power. We don't have the might against them. And so he is asking God for help. In verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. And neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. God, we're facing an enemy that is stronger than we are. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Now, how many times I have been in a similar state. <laughs> when the situation that I faced was overwhelming, I didn't know the answer. I didn't know what to do. And so I just turned to the Lord. Lord, my eyes are upon you. I'm looking to you. 
for wisdom, for guidance, for help. And so the Lord answered Jehoshaphat by this fellow Jehaziel, who was the son of Zechariah. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in the midst of the congregation, and he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And so the glorious promise of God, commanding them to not be afraid or dismayed. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Chronicles 19-20 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week. May his hand be upon your life, that this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with him. And it's just a glorious week of of thinking of him, worshiping him, serving him, loving him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion to him. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a flash drive of audio Bible studies by Kay Smith titled, A Collection of Cherished Messages. Just listen to what others are saying. Kay Smith changed my life. 
Her teachings encouraged me to want more of Jesus. And through her counsel and mentoring, I fell in love with him in a deeper way. When I first heard Kay, I was driving in my car. I was so moved that it brought me to tears because I needed to repent. That moment impacted my life to be a better mom and who I am today. Renew your strength, please. I beg, I beseech, I entreat, and if there's any other word, I do that too. Get in His Word. Make it more than your necessary food every day. Kay Smith has a special place in her heart to teach and encourage women to live for Jesus. To order this flash drive with over 90 audio messages by Kay Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.